1: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Kevin. And Kevin was in a long-distance relationship with a deceitful abuser. It's a story of future faking, emotional manipulation, walking on eggshells, isolation, and infidelity. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick and today we have with us Kevin. How are you Kevin?
0: Uh, Doing well, doing well. It's a nice Saturday morning, coffee and water in hand so yeah I can't complain.
1: Well, if everyone that is listening wants to be a guest on a show like Kevin is today, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Click on that button and you'll read all these instructions. Send us an email with everything in there. And uh, at NarcissistApocalypse at com, or fill it out on our Guest Form uh, page, like that little box that we have on there. My explanation here isn't going well, Kevin. And, uh, press that submit button and you can be a guest on our show like Kevin is today. And today we're going to discuss Kevin's, uh, relationship. He was in an abusive relationship and we don't really have that many men on the show. Uh, and men are abused as well. So we just want to thank Kevin for being here with us today. And now without further ado, Kevin... The floor is now yours.
0: Um, thank you for having me this morning. I really appreciate it. Hopefully my story today is helpful to people, um, whatever stage of the journey that you're in, because uh, I've, I've had a lot of help going through the support communities myself, and that's why I'm here today. I was born in the Midwest. Uh, my family travels quite a bit uh, because of my father's occupation, and so we had actually moved outside of the country uh, for a couple of years. My mom is an immigrant. Uh, she had moved to America uh, for college and met my father there. They got married. And so she ended up staying here. And uh, we lived in the Midwest once they finished college. I was born shortly after they graduated. And then we actually ended up moving back to my mom's uh, home country, stayed there for a few years, back to the Midwest. And then I ended up down in the South. Uh, growing up for the majority of my life in, in Nashville, um, we had a nuclear family. We still do. Uh, two younger sisters. I'm the oldest brother. Uh, mom and dad. Uh, pretty healthy family environment. Um, lots of love. Lots of support. Um, it was a it was a good childhood uh, as far as the family goes. And
1: you had what you considered to be a quote unquote normal upbringing did you have uh beliefs about relationships what they are what they took to succeed or anything along those lines
0: yeah um my my i guess my um example growing up with my mom and dad is that uh relationships take dedication uh, they take perseverance. They take kind of weathering storms together. Uh, my parents definitely went through some rocky life challenges. Um, but, you know, I saw my father just do what ever needed to be done to take care of the family, of the situation at hand. Uh, my mom is a former counselor, so she was uh, very good about being warm and inviting and open. Um, and my idea of a relationship was pretty pretty vanilla uh if you will uh you graduate college meet somebody that you love get married have kids like very much the old school kind of 1950s thinking of how relationships are done so that was pretty much modeled for me um but yeah my my view of relationships was um the man's the head of the household you know that was kind of the patriarchal example that was provided for me at least and then um you know he's he's the one who works and takes care of the household uh i myself have kind of evolved from that viewpoint about what that looks like and what a relationship will entail and and look like but that was pretty much the upbringing the framework that i was given from from my folks uh dad was very closed off emotionally so i would say that he kind of taught me that men are taught to Or that men should be present, should be strong, but that they should be silent about feelings and anything like that. Very stoic uh, person, although he's got a great sense of humor. And when it comes out, people seem to appreciate it. Um, A very serious, serious man. And then a mom who is very emotionally open and warm and all that. So.
1: And growing up, did you have relationships before you got into this one? What was your dating history like?
0: Yeah, so that was a bit rough. Um, Growing up, I would say that a lot of my hardships happened outside the household. Um, I was very overweight, uh, classified as morbidly obese growing up, um, starting probably in like fifth grade. uh, That continued through. Uh, junior high and high school and so I just didn't have any relationships uh none non-romantic um at least and that was pretty much my stint through high school I had a lot of friends I had a good friend group and have a lot of good memories of friends um but definitely experienced a uh, pretty high amount of bullying uh throughout my teenage years and my preteen years And so I think in general, there was kind of a a push and pull with with people in my life. I had my friends who were good, but I also had people that were uh, pretty verbally abusive to me growing up. And that was something that wasn't really talked about in my household. Um, And I could get armchair psychologists about why that was the case. But again, having a a father figure modeled for me that you don't really talk about feelings and all that, I kind of kept that stuff to myself. I would say that my dating life really took off my early 20s. uh, I made health a priority and started losing a lot of weight. And that kind of naturally started getting the attention of of people in my life. And I started dating around 23 or so. So I got started pretty late. Um, It was pretty evident in my relationships at that point. Um, I was pretty far behind the curve as far as what dating looks like how to engage with people on that level. Um, Went through a number of short-term relationships and uh, eventually um, went through some counseling um, after one relationship ended pretty badly and I kind of was having an identity crisis. Uh, Went to counseling at that point, really good positive experience. Um, Essentially walked away from that, understanding that whatever good things my partner saw in me uh, those things existed outside of that person and that truly was a reflection of who i was and hearing that and going through that journey was eye-opening for me uh kind of changed the course of my life really helped me establish a sense of of worth and self-esteem that has carried with me since then Um, from that point uh, i had a long distance Albeit serious relationship with someone in another country. There was a lot of plans to move, a lot of visiting back and forth. And uh that was a very serious relationship that was headed somewhere very serious. Um, but we had some difficulties with uh citizenship and ended up having to to end that relationship um entirely. Kind of a sad breakup, but a necessary one. And from that point, um, had a couple uh, long-term relationships after that, and just both of them ended up not being the right fit of of what I would want for the longevity of longevity of my life. So I ended those, and it was about a couple years ago um, that I was like, I'm just gonna take a break from dating from relationships. I wanted to focus on my career, and um, so I took a bit to a step back. Engage with friends. Definitely had a lot of a lot of good time spent with friends, building relationships, and that was pretty much the, the scope of it, relationship wise, prior to the X.
1: So you had a myriad of issues, and you dealt with them at a young age. You know, you were in this early relationship with someone, and. Obviously, you didn't have self-worth. You didn't have self-anything at that point. And what others could see in you, you couldn't see in yourself. And that was causing a problem within the relationship with however you were acting uh, or reacting to certain things. You went to therapy, you dealt with it, or maybe you didn't deal with it. Maybe you thought you dealt with it. We'll find out. Um, but at that point, you felt like you were you did the work, you were doing the work. You should have been proud that you did it at such a young age. Not too many people would do that. And you've had relatively, you know, normal, stable relationships and friendships uh, throughout here. And now you're about to meet the person who this story is about.
0: Yep. So interesting kind of set of events prior to meeting this person. So obviously, you know, we're at the tail end, or if, if you want to say that, um, of a pandemic. Um, we were all kind of put into isolation, right? I ended up moving to work from home. Um, I could not work from home with my roommate, so I had asked my family, if my parents specifically, if I could, uh, set up shop in their house, because they live in the same city as me. Our family, my, both my sisters and my parents, we, I should have said, we live here in the same city, so we're all relatively close to one another. We see each other frequently. Um, at least once a week, if not more. Uh, So we still have that closeness intact. Family's very close here still, even uh, logistically. So I moved back in with the the folks, and uh, we ended up getting sent home a lot longer than we anticipated. Two weeks turned into two years. Um, During that time, two months into the pandemic, uh, I have best friend of 10 years, pretty much like a brother to me, passed away uh, very suddenly, uh, non-COVID related. And um, that was a weird loss during the pandemic because when you're in isolation, um, you're not seeing each other anyway. So there was kind of trying to bridge the gap of, I haven't seen my friend in person in like a month or so, and now they're just gone. Um, but you don't have that that visual um, or just that experience of like losing somebody when we're kind of in lockdown. So that was a process. I went to a counselor about that process to talk through that. Um, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to move back into my original home with my roommate because the pandemic was going to last for an indefinite amount of time. I was, you know, determined. I'm not going to live with my parents again. Uh, you know, I'm in my 30s this point. Um, but I, so I started looking for a home and job market. I'm sorry, the, the home market was already pretty hot, and so that was a bit of a journey finding a house, but I found one and that was around the end of that year twenty twenty that I found the home and bought it uh needed some remodeling, so I had to spend about four and a half months even waiting to move into it so during that time uh because we would all been put into lockdown uh my me and my friends were having a lot of virtual events um uh, I was part of a church, uh, still part of that church. I was part of a leadership team, and we were running a lot of events online. Uh, I was helping run those because I'm pretty technologically savvy, so they had me hosting a lot of events. So I was hosting for various groups of folks, uh, playing game show host, and event host, and discussion hosts. Um, and then I also started branching out into online groups Um, i was connecting with people on facebook groups on social media groups and had joined uh, the small group online that basically had a very specialized interest we'll say that that we shared uh, with a couple hundred people and so i was in that group and connecting with people there they were having uh, events on zoom and so virtual events so we were meeting up for those virtual events. And having kind of like happy hour nights or just hangout nights and what have you. And that group, uh, somebody popped up saying that they were selling something related to uh, the purpose of the group. And and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't have that. So I need to purchase that. And uh, the person I ended up purchasing it from was the ex. Um, so that was how the story got rolling as far as how we met was for selling something that I purchased. Um,
1: You seem like you're this outgoing person, uh, a connector of people of sorts, I would assume. Um, If someone needs something or needs to know uh, how to get a hold of someone who might know something about something, they would call you.
0: I would say it's pretty accurate. Um, I'm a I'm a manager at a tech company, and uh, my team, whenever they need something or want to do something, I tell them, if y'all want to plan it, I'll make it happen. Just tell me what you need, and I'll I'll figure it out. I'll figure out the details. So, yeah, I'd say it's pretty accurate.
1: Yeah, in the Shawshank Redemption, you would be the Morgan Freeman character.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can get you whatever you need, yeah.
1: He's a man who knows how to get things. Yeah. So... You meet this person, what happens
0: uh so you know it was it was I was caught by a profile photo, right? seems like that's where it starts for a lot of people these days, and wanted to chat and noticed that they had a very uh, what I'll say a very interesting occupation. I actually had some genuine questions about what they did for a living um because it was something I hadn't encountered in my lifetime. It was one of those like, oh, of course, there's somebody who has to do that job. Interesting. So our conversation started out actually fairly benign from a romantic standpoint, just talking about the kind of work that she did. Um, but it was very quick that the flirtation started. Um, I obviously had been caught by the profile, so I was pretty open to the flirtation thing. And uh, did a little bit of a fishing expedition as far as the flirtation, and it was received very well. Um, It was reciprocated, and she ended up asking if I wanted to talk, uh, move conversation to the phone. And so we started talking on the phone. Uh, I should mention she is long distance, uh, so we were not living in the same city, still don't live in the same city. So we started talking on the phone and having conversations with each other. Uh, now one thing that is paramount to the story of her and I is that there seemed to be like a guy in her life that I had questions about and I wanted that question answered pretty immediately. So I was like, Hey, I noticed there's, there's like a guy around, you know, what's a story there. And she was like, okay, so I've got a roommate. Um, they own the house and, uh, the roommate is also my ex-boyfriend. And I said, okay, uh, you know, how does that situation work or not work? And uh, she said, it's pretty awkward at times. Um, it's not just that he's an ex. He's also a terrible roommate on top of that. So there's there's nothing great about the situation. Um, but they worked nights, the, the roommate did, and weren't at the house a lot. So we had plenty of opportunity for her to talk. Um, they lived in pretty close quarters. And, um, she had told me she didn't really want to have a lot of conversations while he was around because, uh, she said, you know, he's got a series of issues in his own life, um, claimed that there was some alcoholism and abuse at, at play with him, with him. And she was worried about the repercussions of him finding out that she had moved on, uh, to another relationship while she was still in the house trying to move out.
1: So I have a couple questions. Yeah. Uh, first what is it that you liked about her what do you guys connect over and what were those com- what was she saying to you uh during that uh, little bit of time period right there and is her reason for being in the house because it's covid and no one's really allowed to move anywhere um as far as uh you're stuck in your house with your ex you think you'd want to get out right away i know there's issues, why some people can't, but it being COVID would probably be the biggest reason at that point that no one's moving anywhere.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that. So that was the story. It was, it was COVID related. Um, they hadn't had the opportunity to start looking for jobs and apartments. The relationship at that point, uh, she claimed had been over for six months, uh, but kind of stuck. And then also finances were an issue as well. Uh, they said that they needed to gather finances and were saving up money for movers and relocation and down payments and, and so on and so forth. So those are the two factors about why they were stuck. As far as what I liked, uh we had a lot in common right off the bat. Um, I think what I think what really got us involved is that we were spending gosh, I would say upwards of, of seven to eight hours on the phone about five nights a week um the two nights that that the roommate was off work uh were pretty much like no-go times talking on the phone but we would text um i'm not somebody who really texts a whole lot i'm not a back and forth texter um but she had set up kind of a pattern of texting me first thing in the morning good morning and texting me throughout the day at work um I ended up putting the text messenger app on my work laptop so I could respond to her. Um, but at some point I told her, you know, I don't really need the text all day. That's not something like I require that I really do. Um, but I'm happy to do so cause it's fun. Uh, she's very fun, very, very free, very open person. Um, just funny. Uh, she had a really good sense of humor. Um, but definitely a lot of uh, a lot of 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 sexual um stuff started coming out real quick uh, She had a lot of uh personal photos and and stuff that she was sharing and opened up those doors really quickly um It went there pretty pretty quick. she was posting on social media. Um, not that kind of stuff, but she was posting on social media, things about myself and posting stories up on places, um, you know, that were, that were like messages to me. So I think in a time where I was isolated, I lost my best friend. I was going through the process of, of living or moving into a house and living by myself. She essentially became kind of like a lifeline to the outside world. We were talking so much throughout the day over text and then on phone. I think that that was a huge factor. My my love language is quality time, and she gave me all the time in the world in droves. And that time was it was again. She was very funny, very engaging, very flirty. I was attracted to her. Um, and I just thought she was smart. She had a cool job, and um, just a unique outlook on the world. We had a lot in common. Talked about frequently. But that essentially was kind of what hooked me.
1: And when she was posting on social media were these like little things that only you would understand that um, were specifically for you, no one else could decipher what was actually said. And you had like it was kind of like your own secret language in a sense that was going on where it would make you feel special that like everyone was seeing this, but for you, it was like the Da Vinci code of some sort. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It's you hit the nail on the head. We had like our own secret little codes, even if it was a specific emoji. Um, That was specifically for me. Um, she had centered a lot of, of, of stuff between us around the winky face. I know that sounds kind of funny, but I knew that anytime she posted a little winky emoji anywhere, it was, This is for you or thinking of you type things. And so she was subtle. Yeah. I think if an outsider had seen those posts or those things, they wouldn't have connected. That was about me and her.
1: All right. So, you know, right off the bat here, it's gone pretty quickly. Everything's moving fast, even though that you're in another state and you're hooked in already. So what happens from here?
0: Um, so I would say that, you know, we started talking and I'm going to use months just because it's a good for the timeline. We had started talking, she sold me what I purchased from her in December and we started talking about the middle of January. Um, and again, at that point we're on the phone five, six, seven hours a night, five nights a week, pretty, pretty routine with each other. And I would say, as early as as April or May, she had started saying that she had never considered the prospect of having kids, uh, but that I had introduced her to that desire. Um, she wanted to have kids with me specifically. Uh, she also said that, you know, she'd just gotten out of a six year relationship that was dead throughout and that had killed her hopes for any kind of like lifetime commitment. So she had kind of given up on the idea of marriage. But again, myself, I had reinvigorated that, that hope and belief. And as early as may, so, you know, we're talking five months into the relationship, she was um, looking at houses and with the intention of us moving into one together. And we had discussed like, you know, I'm going to, relocate to your state and move in with you right off the bat, like not living, not having lived together, even been around each other in person. And we were kind of talking about like, how's that actually going to work? And can I just move right in with somebody that, you know, I haven't met yet because we hadn't met in person at this point. And uh, we'd spend a lot of time like a video chat and all that, but you haven't really met somebody until you've met them in person. Um, so I kind of had some questions about how that was going to work logistically, but again, four or five months in, she still hadn't moved. Um, and I remember the first time that I would had what I would call a red flag incident. Um, she had gotten angry at the roommate, but had turned that anger towards me and had, um, just kind of unloaded on me one day. And we ended up getting off the phone, and I, you know, we kind of went to our separate corners. Um, and I was kind of in shell shock. I was like, I've never really been taught to you like that before. Um, seemed to be a lot of like vitriol that I'm not accustomed to, especially from her. And so I, you know, I I, I sat on it. I slept on it. The next day, I was like, Hey, I'd like to, you know, talk. So we had a conversation, and I just said, you know. I don't mind you being upset and venting about something, but if it, it's not something I did, I don't know if that energy really needs to be directed my direction. And she was like, "You're right. I shouldn't have taken out on you." And I said, "Thank you." Um, but I think that kind of set the stage for what ended up starting becoming a pattern. Um, there were definitely subtle. Uh, insults that started happening. What was happening a lot is I realized that the criticism of daily, everyday things in my life was starting to become real prevalent. Um, She had a problem with kitchenware that I own. She had a problem with how I parked my car. She had a problem with um, she took issue with like the curtains that I chose for my house, what the curtains looked like color of the curtains, um just a lot of little things that didn't really make a lot of sense, but she was very much she had established herself as like someone who likes to be a homemaker uh she likes to make sure the house looks good and that presentation is good to her like presentation was very important um so criticized f- furniture everything it was it was a lot it was a lot of criticism and it was subtle um to the point that i started changing things in my house even though she didn't even live here um i started changing things that i owned because in my mind i'm like well you know she knows more about being a homeowner and making up a home than i do so perhaps there's some validity to what she's saying and i just don't have the homeowner experience she does to know better um so i kind of took those criticisms not as criticism but as you know, helpful guidance. Um but then she also started slipping in um derogatory terms. Um she would call me a bitch and I would kind of stop and say, Excuse me. Um, what'd you say? And she's like, You heard me, and she'd repeat it. And I'd say, All right, uh I don't know if I like that. Uh And she would just kind of laugh and just be like, I'm just joking. Can't you take a joke? Um, Started using other words. Again, I don't want to get too offensive on here. um, But she started uh, calling me other names. And it was always with a laugh and a smile. Um, But I would kind of, in my own way, try to deflect that and say, like, whoa, what did you say? Or, I don't think so. Or, no. You don't talk to me like that. And she was like, no, I'll talk to you however I want. Now, one thing to keep in mind that might give some context to this is, at this point, she is living with the ex. She hasn't made progress to move out. Um, However, she's got me on the hook to, you know, she's got this whole life ahead of us, marriage and kids. We had figured out where we wanted to go for our honeymoon. It's like we had our whole lives together unfolding before me and I was totally on board for it. Um.
1: Well, I was about to interject earlier, which was when I said that you were hooked, you weren't hooked then when the future faking came in as far as what your future was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And her saying to you, you know, the fact that I didn't feel like I was someone that could have kids, but I can see myself having kids with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that right there is, would make anyone feel special to a point where if abusive things might start happening, I'm going to start to let things slide a little Someone that was one of the most important things this person could ever say in the sense of this is a major life decision and I me who I am change that not by convincing her but by being myself this person loves me for me and can do this with me. Oh, like th- now that person has you. And you know, you, at that point it's going to be you're going to have a that person's going to have a very very long runway as far as what they can do to you until eventually you're like I'm done here.
0: Nail on the head. Yes, absolutely. That um you know, it was hard for me to identify where I got hooked, but I think to your point, it was moments like that. Um one thing I failed to mention is she got deep into her history of uh her family upbringing. Uh she described her father as an abusive alcoholic um who she had a very very tumultuous relationship with. And she told me that everybody in her family pretty much abandoned her dad through the alcoholism and had turned their backs on him. And she was the one person who remained there for him to help him out all of his episodes throughout the whole thing. And her claim was that as a result of that, her brothers and sisters essentially disowned her as a sister and had no more relationship with her. Uh, Her claim being that it was disagreements and issues with their father, um, that was a big part of it and she hadn't spoken to her siblings in 10 years. Um, and she had basically started to paint stories of, you know, I try to do the right thing for my father and this is what my siblings chose to do as a result. I've tried to be this person to my family and keep them all together. Uh, but I just couldn't do it and they all are mad at me and they got mad about money and finances. So there's a huge, huge component to our relationship where she continuously painted herself as a victim and everybody around her was victimizing her.
1: And I'm going to make an assumption here and you can tell me if I'm wrong and go ahead and do if I am wrong. But my assumption is that part of her victim playing story is that she was herself. And these people abandoned her. And listening to that, it puts something in your head. Well, if this person's going to be themselves and to be doing the things their way, all these other people abandoned them. I'm not going to do that. Or that maybe it's conscious or unconscious, but the idea that that might be then brought back into it If she one day goes, oh, you're going to be just like them, like, leave me. I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not.
0: You're absolutely correct. Uh, That was actually very conscious on my part. Um, We would write love letters back and forth through the mail. And there was one in particular where I had basically pointed out all the ways that she was worthy of having somebody stay by her side through her lifetime. and that all these things that she'd been told she claimed that she had told me she'd been told or all these things that she had told me had been done to her. Um, she didn't deserve any of that. She was surrounded by unreasonable people, but I saw that that girl that grew up abused, um, by an alcoholic father. I'd later learn not jumping ahead, but I'd later learn that there was also physical abuse of being suffered at the hands of her mother. Um, which didn't get talked about. Um, But, uh, you know, I saw that in her and I saw those things and what she'd been through and I'm like, nobody deserves that. Nobody deserves to be raised like that. Nobody deserves to grow up and have a life that continues with this forms of emotional abuse from family members and so on and so forth. Like you just, she just doesn't deserve that. She was being so, you know, good to me, although friends would argue she wasn't really being good to me, but I felt she was being good to me and giving me what I wanted, which was the time. Attention, reinforcing who I was as a person. You know, I'm like if if she can make me feel so wanted, so valued, you know, she is valued. And so, yeah, we definitely had conscious conversations about not abandoning her, um, <clears throat> and all that. Now, she would bring up ways to that point. I think she was bringing up ways that she was almost like foretelling how I was going to abandon her. And the first way she did that was with exes. Um, I have an ex in my life who tends to hover around. Um, it's not like a like a bad situation. Um, it was a very amical breakup on our part. Um, I had ended the relationship because I didn't see it going anywhere. And um, if she had her way, we'd still be together. But she's somebody that will, like, make outreach and connect every now and then to see how I'm doing. And my ex, my ex, the one that we're talking about here, not the one that that reaches out to me, because now we're talking about two different exes. Um, but my ex uh, had real big issue with that. Um, she was very upset that my other ex was reaching out and wanted to see our conversations. And I was like, okay, that totally is an unreasonable that I screenshot my text messages with another person and share it with my with my current. Uh, significant other. Um, so I did. And I didn't think that I had said anything that would lead my other ex on or give him any hope of like reconnecting or anything like that. Uh, but my ex was like, I don't like any of this. I don't like this. I don't know why you don't block her. You know, block her." And I was like, a And She was like, I mean, that's what would make me more comfortable. So I ended up blocking that other ex for no reason other than uh, my SO at the time, DX, was asking me to. Um, she would start referring to her in derogatory terms. She came up with a nickname for her um, and would refer to her frequently um, as that as that nickname and, and bring her up a lot. And at some point had said, you know, you one day you're just going to leave me for somebody younger and prettier than me. And I was like, why do you think that? Why do you believe that? What gives you that idea? I said I'm very happy with you. I love you. I'm not thinking about other women at all and I wasn't. Like there was I was devoted as much as a person can be to another person. I was devoted. Um but she she doubted it. She doubted my devotion, she would question my devotion, so on and so forth. Um then then the where where she crossed the line and I had to have a real conversation with her. Um, one thing I didn't mention for my dating history is I think losing weight and suddenly becoming like a, a viable option to the opposite sex and just going through what I went through before I went to counseling kind of got in my head a little bit. Um, I went through a time where I struggled with um just a lot of meaningless sexual encounters, um, quite a few in a in kind of like a framework of my life that have lasted about two or three years. Um, And it's a time in my life where I kind of was just living carefree and loose and just doing whatever felt right in the moment. And part of my counseling journey was um, coming to terms with that and moving away from that and realizing I I want deep connections in my relationships, not these casual connections and just being more mindful and, and um, intentional about, you know, getting into relationships even just physical with members of the opposite sex. And that was in us sharing about our past and our histories. That was something that came up with my ex. Um, You know, I went through this phase. Um, She had asked me how many partners I'd had. And when I told her, she, I mean, it's like, I could hear the brakes screeching in the background metaphorically. And she was like, wow, that's, that's a lot. She was like, I would actually cl- classify you as a slut. And I was like, excuse me? And she's like, well, my friends had sex with about that many people, and we call her the slut. So you're the slut, too. And I'm like, I don't know if I like that term. She's like, well, they don't have a problem with it, so I don't see why you should have a problem with it. Um, she's like, you know, she's like, okay, instead of calling you slut, I'm going to call you the number. So she would call me. She made a nickname for me that was number of people that I'd been with. And she would drop that number. And I didn't like that. I was like, this is derogatory. Um, it's bringing up like things that I did in my past that I actually like healed through. And I ended up writing it down and sending her uh, a message that was very heartfelt. It was very, hey, this is something that's very important to me that I've been through. It's a part of my, my history. I'm not ashamed of it. Um, but when you refer to me, you know, when you when you call me that name, it feels like you are shaming me and that you're belittling me. Um, I feel belittled. I feel shame. feel ashamed. I feel this. I feel that. Uh, I used a lot of I statements with her. Um, and she didn't acknowledge the message. She didn't say, I'm so sorry. I didn't understand. I made you feel like that. There was no acknowledgement. She just said, I get it. I get it. That was, that was her like catchphrase. Anytime I would approach her and say, Hey, I'm feeling this way or I'm feeling that way or I'm feeling disconnected or I'm feeling like this or that. I get it. That's all she would say. There wouldn't be any kind of attempt to say what she could do to help make the situation better. Anyway. Um, that was, so there was that, there was the criticism. There was, the ongoing, what seemed like an eternity of her moving out of her home. What we had decided on, because again, we were talking about the logistics, was that she was going to find an apartment and move in there short, long term, whatever. But she was going to get a two-bedroom apartment so that she could live there. And I would move in and work remotely from the second bedroom, which would be my office. So she was on the hunt for two-bedroom apartment. Um, meanwhile, I have a friend, um, who was in the same group as us on social media and she is not working at the moment. She hasn't been working for some time, uh, cause COVID and we were in almost daily communication, um, just by happenstance but she also had kind of encouraged this relationship to start with the ex. She was like, I think you guys are cute together and she seems like this and you seem like that and I think it's a good match, you should pursue it. And she was very invested in our relationship. Um, So I, throughout the situation, kind of had a friend who I could talk to about every detail of the relationship. And along the way, she was very much telling me pointing out a lot of red flags criticism name calling she was extremely mortified by this message i sent about my history about being reduced to this being called this number of people i had been with and was very very concerned that there didn't seem to be any kind of apology like heartfelt apology or any kind of bridge or work on her part to stop in fact um it continued like she kept calling me the number even after that message was sent she kept calling me a slut it was always with again a grin and a smile i'm just joking um but it bothered me a lot bothered me a lot i tucked that away i tucked that away um that's something that bothered me a lot now i'll say that i believe it was around july that i said i don't see progress being made to save money to move out now another kind of layer to add to this is that she's got a social media presence where she's got several thousand followers and uh classify herself as a bit of an influencer um her words not mine and. She um, was spending a lot of money to purchase items that she would feature on her social media. Um, It was kind of like her thing. And she had told me at one point that she has a problem with spending, that her finances are uh, a rocky point for her, and that she really appreciated that. I'm a person who lives by budget, financially stable, and she really wanted my help and support in helping her like take care of her finances. I personally was very hesitant to get involved. I don't want to be a controlling person and tell somebody how they should spend their money. But I basically said, I'll help however I can. Let me know what that looks like. And she said, well, sometimes I just need somebody to tell me not to buy that thing that's an impulse buy. Or that i want to show off on you know my account and i was like okay and you're not going to get mad at me if i'm like i don't know if you should buy that no not at all so i said okay um one thing to point out is that eggshells were definitely being walked on at every point of this i myself was fearful that she lived in this house with this ex and that Him being an alcoholic, her father having a history of alcoholism, could possibly make it difficult for her to leave. Um, The timeline of when she was going to move out kept moving month by month. And I started to get the feeling she might not be living up to her promise of like trying to move out or attempting to move out or making the moves to move out. And um, I was trying to figure out why. Every attempt to have a conversation with her about what's happening here, hey, um, I'm noticing this, help me understand. It didn't matter how carefully I approached, how many I statements I used. Every question, no matter how like sincere and earnest it was, somehow would, without fail, every time turn into a throwdown fight on her part Where she would tell me, you're asking me this because of these reasons. You're asking me this because of this. You're asking me this because you think I'm lying to you. You're asking me this because you think that this and that. And I would have to tell her, like, you can believe that if you want, but you can't read my mind. And I can tell you that's not what I'm thinking. But if you believe that, you believe that. That started making asking basic questions very difficult. Because, again, every time I asked a question, she would get enraged um, that I was questioning her, that I was demanding answers for all of these reasons that, again, she assumed were happening. And a lot of times it caught me off guard because I was like, I wasn't even thinking about that. That wasn't even a thought that crossed my mind. What? No. Um. And there was even one time where she had twisted a conversation to the point that she was like, I think that you're just trying to bully me into doing what you want. And I said, absolutely not. I am trying to figure out where I can support you. I put my finances on the line. I told her that I would lend her money. I would pay for the movers. I would pay for the down payment on a place to live as an investment for our lives together. I was Offering up everything I could. And it's like she kept slapping away my offers of assistance, saying, I I need to do this on my own. I need to get out of here on my own. I said, Okay, well, I can respect that. She said, I don't want to be beholden to anybody for anything. She says, Because the lesson I've learned in this life is that anything good that comes from another person always comes with a price tag attached to it. And if I take your money and take your assistance. I'm going to owe you. I'm going to be indebted to you. And I didn't see it that way. I was just like, no, I'm just investing in our future. Like I very sincerely believe that just helping you get out so we can like move in together and just start our lives. Like, that's it. Like, I just want to get the ball rolling. Um, she associated all this control and owing me and this to that. And I didn't understand that. Like, I, I truly didn't. I was like, tell me about that. Why do you feel that way? um, Gifts, compliments, I, I, I would outpour compliments to her regularly, readily. Um, I sent her a lot of thoughtful gifts in the mail. She would tell me that, you know, I made her, be- her birthday special. We had a virtual birthday party together, two of us, dinner, I should say. And she should point out, you know, you're special to me, you're good to me, no matter how crazy I get sometimes, you just remain calm and understanding. So, again, going through all that, there's, like, all these microaggressions and micro just things being done towards me. I'm worried and concerned that there's a reason she's staying in the house. She's not vocalizing to me. I was starting to get very stressed walking on eggshells with her entirely because, again, any question would result in her flying off the handle at me. I didn't like that. I did not enjoy it. I don't like conflict and i asked so many people how do i approach this this is how this conversation went how do i approach it next time and my friends are like you're coming to us for advice about how to communicate with somebody that seems like a very poor communicator and who is belittling you and criticizing you causing you stress and anxiety is really the is the issue really here that you need to learn how to approach her better or is the issue that you're in a really, really unhealthy, toxic relationship? And the excuse I made on her behalf every time was she's in an, an extremely stressful situation with this roommate slash X and it's causing her daily stress and daily anxiety and daily worry. And when she gets out of that house, everything will be better and that was my ongoing belief in the situation that once she's out of that house all those dynamics change she becomes a positive wonderful person i know that she can be and everything is smooth sailing and my friend my 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 good friend who i talked to almost daily said i don't think that's going to happen i think this is who she is she's showing you her true self and it's not going to change. It's going to get worse because she's going to get you further and further on the hook. I didn't listen to that. It's too on the hook. At one point, I also was starting to grow really weary of the fact that we have this, like, really strong boundary of we can't talk while the roommate's in the house. If he finds out about you. He's just going to kick me out. She described that she was walking on eggshells at the house as the roommate. Um, he lived on the second floor. She lived on the first floor. Um, but they still didn't have like they she could hear his conversations upstairs, he could hear hers. And at one point, I said, Well, why can't you just disclose like you guys have been broken up now for a year? Why can't you disclose that you're dating and seeing other people? Is is that really an issue? And she said, Well, I don't know. I don't know how he'll respond to that. And I fear that he'll respond in the worst way possible. And my safety will be a concern. Um, again, my My livelihood of being in the home will end. He'll kick me out immediately. I said, well, what makes you think that? She's like, because he's unstable, he's gotten in trouble at work, and he got in trouble for roughing up people there. So she said he's capable of physical violence. I was like, has he ever hit you? And she said, no, he's never hit me. Okay, so you're not unsafe in the house? No, not as long as, you know, I don't do something like that. So she would say that his possible actions were cause and reasons not to disclose to him that she was involved with somebody. Okay. Seems reasonable enough. Uh, again, I got rose colored lenses on at this point too. red flags everywhere. Don't get me wrong. They were everywhere. I was surrounded by them. Um, so we hadn't met again at this point and I really was just kind of exasperated. It was intense, and it didn't seem to be going anywhere. I I really needed us to, like, meet in person and, like, get this thing rolling. And she had excuses, not assurances. So I effectively ended the relationship, um, I believe it was around August of last year. Uh, That was when I ended it for the first time. Um, That went over like about again about as well as you would expect i was actually at a friend's house my ex-roommate and the 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 wall of text that i received was like making my phone just scroll and move and there was nothing i could say so i was like hold up hang on what hold on i was texting like hold on wait hey look no that's not what i'm trying to hey and she absolutely, like, just a waterfall of texts about how I was abandoning her. This is what everybody does to her. Uh, because of her house situation, she's already at her, like, breaking point, And this is what's going to cause her to finally, she said finally, jump in front of the train that she had been wanting to jump in front of all this time. Now, that is probably something that's not uncommon for others to experience. That for me was very triggering and hit home um, because I actually lost a best friend in high school to suicide. The thought of her making that choice and me continuing on her doing that was devastating to me. Even now, I'm getting emotional. I can feel it welling up. Just the thought that she would make that decision, that choice. But I also recognized that this was a decision that I needed to make. So my thought process in the moment was, well, maybe I'm being rash. Maybe I'm being impulsive, ending this relationship. I told her, I wasn't, I didn't tell her I changed my mind, but I said, give me some time and I'll think things over. And she just said, okay, my ex roommate and best friend, I think he meant well. Um, he would tell you he's diagnosed as um, having obsessive, uh, sorry, as, as codependent. He's, he's diagnosed as codependent and he had a lot of compassion for my ex because he said, it seems like she deals with codependency. So she has struggles that are unique to her that I think are at play here. Um, She's probably feeling abandoned. And this is probably pretty sudden that you ended the relationship. Um, Although it's typically usually a surprise for a lot of people. Uh, Sometimes there's no avoiding that. And so I scheduled a call with her and he told, sorry, he told me, I think one thing that might be holding this relationship back for her, because she's putting a lot on the line to move out of this house, to move in with you, a stranger from the internet, even though y'all spend a lot of time on video and, phone someone of met. He said, Maybe that's the key. Maybe that is what will unlock her getting out of the house and moving on is when y'all's relationship becomes very real to her. And he said, I think that you'll accomplish that if you can meet in person. And I said, you know, I hadn't considered that that factor. Okay. So we scheduled a phone call. I said, How do you feel about meeting me? I have a trip planned. Uh to a city up north um just for myself and um how do you feel about meeting me up there neutral place it's not where you live it's not where i live it's this neutral place and she was like well i gotta i gotta see about making that happen and and uh she says yeah i already knew that you're going up there and i actually had this idea of like surprising you and just showing up unannounced while you're up there she says but let's make it a reality So we meet. It was magical. Every minute of the trip was perfect. Um, I pulled out all the romantic, thoughtful stops, and she was totally enamored and told me nobody has ever gone to all these lengths to to show me how much they love me and care about me. And, um, you know, I remember that we were at the airport. She was flying back home. I was flying back home. And,. We texted the whole way back on the flight. Uh, We had in-flight Wi-Fi. We both got home. We were on the phone the entire way home. And um, we're planning our next trip, like, right there on the phone. When do we see each other again? She says, well, how about I come down there and see you where you live? Perfect. So we planned a trip for her to come to Nashville. And... I was like, who do you want to meet? Who should you meet? And she was like, I don't know. And I don't, I don't know, maybe this or that. And so I think your parents would be a little bit much, um, at this point. And I was like, I actually agree with that. I usually don't involve my, my family with my relationships until, um, you know, it just feels like, right. And they knew that she existed, but there was a part of me that knew the situation was wonky to say the least and I found myself withholding a lot of information about our relationship should have been a big sign to myself. If I can't openly speak about the relationship with all the people in my life.
1: Well, uh, that's why I had one question here, which, which is, you don't want her to meet your parents, but at the same time, you had, I guess, a dilemma of you were willing to move somewhere. Uh, how, uh, you know, make this giant move how are you internally thinking like, even before this happened with that move, are you thinking about being judged by other people about like how crazy this all sounds in the sense of like, I haven't met this person yet. I'm going to be moving somewhere. How will everyone think of me? I'm just keeping it all kind of quiet because you don't want to feel judged in a way.
0: Again, my family and I very close see each other weekly she had something to say about that. She was like, "You sure you spend a lot of time with your family? Uh, you sure you spend a whole lot of time with them?" I was like, "Well, we're close." And she was like, "Well, I guess so, but that's not something I would do." Um, you know, I was very involved in my church. Um, I was in leadership there, and I remember that I had asked her if she wanted to go attend like a virtual service with me, and she criticized the whole thing. She said, this is too much. It's extra. This is too much. She had also. Caught wind of our mutual friend, I would say my friend, her acquaintance that I talk to daily. She caught wind that I was talking about a relationship, and my ex was very concerned about that. She says, I don't like our relationship being discussed with other people, it makes me uncomfortable. I feel like people are going to judge our situation. I feel like people are going to think badly about me. I worry about your mom, your mom's going to judge me, your sisters are going to judge me, everybody's going to judge me just like my own family has. She definitely planted a lot of seeds to start isolating me. I think that is ultimately what led me to close off about the relationship is I didn't want her to be judged. And I told her, I was like, I want the people in my life to understand how much I love you so that they'll support my decision to move. But yes, I was very concerned about the conversation I felt I was inevitably going to have to have about moving. I'd already had the conversation with my boss. I had to get approved to work remotely. So I told my boss, I'm in this very serious long-distance relationship. We're working remotely. I'd like to stay permanent. um, And I'd like to relocate. And my boss had to go through a lot of hoops to approve that, make that happen. Um, I had talked to, again, my friend that I talked to almost every day. She knew the ins and outs of the relationship. Um, And she is a fan of love. and would root me on at times, but also be like, I think you need to end this at times. Um, but even with her, I, I held back some details, uh, cause she already judged the ex a lot. I didn't want to pile on and just add more fuel to the fire. So definitely fear of being judged, but I knew at some point I can't just up and move to another state and not tell my family about it. So I'm going to have to have that conversation. And so I approached it with them very subtly. Um, When I went to go meet the ex, I did not disclose that I was meeting her there to my family. However, after the trip, um, because we had planned for her to come visit Nashville, uh, I knew that I wouldn't be able to not disclose that. Uh, She's coming down. She's going to be here. There's a lot of family events happening around that time. And I had to start talking about, like, my availability. And they're like, what do you have going on? You've been in isolation. You've been working from home. I was pretty locked down. I know some people were out just living their best lives, but I was staying home for the most part and not really going out to public places for, you know, safety concerns. And all of a sudden I'm busy. I I have plans. I can't make that thing. And my mom's like, well, what are you doing? I said, well, the ex is going to be in town. And she was like, Oh, y'all are meeting and I said well we've already met and my mom i remember her being very concerned that i was hiding these details of my life from them um uh, she's like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you tell us like why wouldn't you just tell us that you're going up north to the city and and meeting meeting you know meeting her that's very odd my mom's like it's just it's very odd i'm very worried i'm very worried about the situation it seems very worrying from the outside um uh, and I said, well, no worries. She's coming down here. She's like, well, we're we gonna get to meet her. And I said, I don't know. I don't know if we're at that point yet that we're ready to like introduce her to, to the family and all that. Um, I said, so we'll see. Um, so she came down here, ended up meeting my best friend, and we had a blast. We we traveled to some nearby cities. We we did a little bit of road tripping, a little bit of showing her around town. Um, it again was a fantastic. Extraordinary trip, and once again, a lot of sad goodbyes at the airport um, and all that. And so, I asked, Hey, when are we doing another trip after this? She says, Well, I'm really not sure. You know, we got the holidays coming up, and I need to save money because I need to move out. So, I'm really not sure what our next trip could be. I said, Okay, well, we'll figure it out. You know, you get home and get settled, we'll figure it out um it was around uh, you know i'm i'm feeling at this point like we've met we've solidified the relationship we've already had this intense connection we've been through ups and downs i'm ready to get on with things and she's like well we'll figure it out and and see what happens and all that so now i'm starting to feel a little bit of like uncertainty again and not really just just questioning like What's happening? What's at play? Um, again, the move-out timeline started as early as as April, May. About I'm moving out. I'm looking at apartments, looking at houses, I'm looking at places to move in. And here we are now, uh, having met in October. She still hasn't moved out. She essentially said, "Look, you know, I got to get through the holidays." I just got to do it. I've got to, I've got to get through the holidays. It's too much on my plate with the holidays and everything to, to, to move during that time. I can't imagine moving during, during the holidays. Just got to do it afterwards. Okay. So feeling uncertain, not sure what to do. My boss said, Hey, you know, you sound like you've had some great trips and, you know, y'all went to this one place and now you've met Nashville. Well, how about going up where she lives and visiting her? She's like, you know, you can work remote up there for two months if you want. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. I said, okay. Now, keep in mind, she's living with her ex. So I know that staying with her is not an option. So I'm like, two months is a lot of time. Also, I've got holidays and birthdays, family birthdays during that time. So it's not really an option. But I'm uncertain. I'm feeling... Like what's happening here? Is this relationship going to take off and are we going to be together? And it seems like the trips invigorate things in our relationship. So I said to her, I said, how about I come stay up there? I can run on an Airbnb and I'll stay up there for two weeks. She was like, hmm, well, I've got a lot going on with the holidays and work. We have a work conference that's happening around that same time that I have to attend. Um, I'm not sure. Um, she says, Let me think on it and we can see and I said, Okay. And that's where she left it. Um one thing I should mention towards her 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 character that I've also glossed over, and this is kinda of changing subjects. Um but one thing to to mention is at this point she has me pretty isolated from a lot of friends, a lot of family. Um she has me the friend that I was talking to daily about the relationship, I actually was now being dishonest about continuing to talk to her because my ex had essentially asked me not to talk to her about our relationship anymore because she said she was trying to meddle in our relationship and mess with my head. I was still talking to my friend. I am so glad that I continue to do so. Um, but I was talking to them in secret about the relationship. And at this point she was like, you've got to get out. This is this is bad. I know that you had these trips and they seem like they're magical, but it's bad. It's it's. She's not delivering. She's not making moves to move out. It's all about the actions, not the words, and you need to get out of there. So I've got her telling me that, which is causing me some stress and anxiety, and I'm like, you're probably right. I have a question. Yeah, yeah.
1: Obviously, at this point, you're not trying to think about like well what's really happening here but is your friend here giving you possible scenarios of why this is being such um a lead on what's the best word to put on it? Uh, the best that you're being hung out here on this dangling carrot for so long are there scenarios being brought in for you to think about of like why is this happening or maybe we'll find out that there is just no reason for this to be happening it's just this is the way they are but as is there a thought going on here where you're like, or someone else is saying to you, they're hiding something, something else is going on. And you start to consider that?
0: Yeah, so yes, and the answer to that question multifaceted. So um the ex despite having an issue with me talking about my exes or my exes talking to me. She dangled a lot of men in front of me. Um, She would do things like, oh, there's this guy that wanted to get with me, but the timing was wrong. I wonder how he's doing. I'm going to message him real quick. And I'd be like, excuse me? Uh, There's this guy that has a crush on me, and he's always wanted to get with me. I'm going to invite him to our online group. And she actually did that. She invited him to that online group that we were in. Um, She's like, you know, but he's engaged, and he's got somebody else, so it's not a thing anymore, but. There's a lot of dangling other men in front of me. A lot of that was happening. Um, my my friend uh Sue, we'll call her Sue, It'll just be easier to call her Sue. Sue was essentially saying she's dangling all these men in front of you. She's talking about all these guys that want her. Um, she said, "I think what could be at play here is that her and the ex aren't really her and the ex. This could be." That it's her boyfriend, that she's still with this guy, but they're in a dead bedroom situation. And she's using you to give her all the things she's not getting from him. Um, she says, I- I'm starting to suspect that she's not being honest about the relationship with the roommate slash ex. I think that she's lying about it. So that was her assertion. She was really starting to put the screws on me as a friend saying, we really need to evaluate the situation. They're extremely abusive towards you. You're starting to get a weird vibe now after these trips. You need to, I think this is a point where you get out. Got to get out. This is it. Like this is your way out. Don't go up there and see her. Don't go up there. Don't make any more trips. You got to get out. Um, I think she's lying about the ex. I don't think they're broken up. I think it's all a lie and I think that she's using it. I said, Well, why would she have me moving up there if uh if she's really with this guy? And that's where my friend and I were both kinda confused. Well, if, if she is lying and she is in a relationship, why does she seem like a okay with me making the move up there? That was my question. That was kind of what kept me on the hook at that point. Well, it doesn't make logical sense that she's lying about that when were planning on me moving up there at some point so i you know she agreed for me to go visit her hometown and stay in airbnb i was like are you sure and she's like yes uh she says power i'm i have concerns so okay what are you concerned about she says well essentially i'll be staying with you for two weeks and the roommate's gonna have questions and they're going to ask me, like, where are you going? Where are you staying? I said, okay, how about disclosing, again, that you're dating and in a relationship? Like, why not make that decision? She's like, we've talked about this. He's gonna, He'll kick me out. He'll get mad. I don't know what he'll do to me. My safety might be at stake, all this and that. And I said, do you really believe, like, you really truly believe that that is going to happen? And she's like, I don't know. I don't want to take that risk. I can't risk it. His family hates me. Uh his father hates me. Um and his father was actually the landlord. I think earlier I'd said that the ex owned the house. The ex didn't own the house. The ex's father owns the house. Uh, I misspoke there. He owned the house. And she's like, His father hates me. They're they're gonna conspire against me and kick me out. And so I said, Well, okay. If that's the story we're sticking to, I guess it's the story we're sticking to. I, I laugh I laugh in hindsight at how ridiculous it all was, but at the time i don't understand at this point i am as fragile as can be um i am having sleep issues sleep disorder uh, i am stressed out every single day i am in a constant state of worry because i've been in a holding pattern of am i going to get moved and is this relationship going to move and are we going to get her out of this bad situation and, and get her to a place of normalcy so we can just have fun and relax and just have a relationship without these boundaries of we can't talk at certain times and she's always stressed about the roommate i am in a constant state of panic fear anxiety um i had sent gifts and it was getting to the point where she wasn't acknowledging like gestures i was giving her compliments i was giving her she was she was just withholding affection in a lot of ways and my friend sue was very concerned about that so again here we are I'm about to go up there to visit her in her hometown, and my friend is my friend Sue thinks she's lying, she's withholding, and I think possibly you might be dealing with a narcissist. So that was the first time this entire relationship where somebody had used the word narcissist with me. Uh, my ex roommate had kind of deduced it might have been codependency, but my friend Sue said I think this might be narcissism. Now, if you asked me at that point what my definition of narcissism was, I would tell you go watch Beauty and the Beast, guest on. He's like this, you know, very boisterous, full of himself, like haughty type person. That's what I thought a narcissist was. You're somebody who's just got a very high opinion of yourself and you think you're the greatest thing that walked the earth and you're just very arrogant, just very arrogant. Uh, My friend Sue had, um, my friend had said, you know, I think you might be dealing with a narcissist. And I said, oh, well, hmm, she does have a very. My ex has a very inflated self, uh, sense of herself, so I could see that possibly, maybe. Um, I, in my brain, was determined that this trip to her hometown was going to be what sealed the deal and changed everything. And she had agreed to the trip, and we were starting to make plans about how I could, how she could be in an Airbnb for two weeks with me, without her roommate asking questions and getting wise to it and she said well let me worry about that I'll figure that out but we should be fine so I start asking questions like is your safety at stake here is my safety at stake here could this be a problem if he discovers you with me and why am I asking you this like you're not in a relationship with this person like you're broken up I said Can't I said look I I I can't tell you what to do but I'm telling you if you just let him know you've moved on y'all's relationship has been over for almost a year and a half now it's not outside the realm of possibility that you're meeting people and dating like is there not anything you communicate that you're involved with somebody else are you absolutely sure you can't have that conversation with another adult person and she stuck to her guns. So I said, all right, I guess, you know, that's, that's the situation. And I hate that it's so stressful for you, but that's, that's where we're at. Um, in the days leading up to this visit, she had gone out to a bar with a friend and mentioned that she was hit on by a younger guy. And she was very fixated on this for about a week, uh, talked about it a lot oh my gosh got hit on by this guy who's 10 years younger than me i can't believe it it's just you know my, it happens to my friends all the time and now it's happened to me and it's like she felt like she was part of some special club or something and i was very off by this and she's like but i would never i'm not into younger guys i'm in i'm into older guys i'm not he's not my type i'm not into him it's it's whatever uh, i was like oh okay she says but you know we're following each other on social media now and i was like oh i was like random guy hit, hit on you at a bar now your social media for instance well yeah because i you know i i advertise things i'm an influencer and he's a photographer so he told me he might be able to help out with uh with taking photos and stuff for my blog and for my online account i'm like oh okay that yeah that seems fair like okay cool i didn't think a whole lot of it but she seemed very fixated on it and um around that time our conversation started waning a bit. Uh, All of those like predictable early morning hellos, uh, late night, good nights, I love yous, um, started delaying, becoming more infrequent. Uh, She was creating distance between us. uh, And the affection in the relationship was starting to taper off a bit. Meanwhile, we're ramping up to this visit to her hometown where I'm going to be for two weeks and I'm starting to get pins and needles even more so than I'm already dealing with. Like, well, this is not great. So here we are building up to this trip. And at some point it's gotten so contentious with my act, this trip, it's stressing me out. I'm having a lie. I'm having to do this. I'm having to do that. I'm like, look, I'll let you off the hook. I won't come. I can cancel my Airbnb. I can cancel my flights. Like everything is still cancelable. I, I'll cancel everything. I don't have to come up there. It's fine. We can reschedule for after the holidays. And she refused. She said, "No, it's fine. You can come up here. It's fine." And I remember a couple of days before the trip, testing her, saying, "Hey, are you sure that we want to do this? I'm feeling very unwelcome." And she said, "No, it's fine. I'm just stressed out. My cat's sick." Um, and it was, it was, it was, it was rough. Uh, our relationship was. Definitely on the rocks. She was being very hostile. Any attempts to flirt were bad. Uh, I use a lot of dad jokes in our relationship. She had actually sent me like a thing for my desk celebrating my dad jokes. And at that point, uh, when I started using dad jokes, she started criticizing me and saying, oh, my God, you and your stupid dad jokes. If you tell me one more of these dad jokes, I'm going to hang up on you. I, I thought you liked them you even sent me like a thing for my desk about how my dad jokes are always like loading up core parts of who i was and what she enjoyed about her relationship started becoming like huge points of criticism and it had me questioning everything about the relationship what's wait she actually hates this stuff about me what the hell Like, <laughs> and i'm about to go spend two weeks with this person in this airbnb and I feel very unwanted and unwelcome. And there's this guy that she met, and she's seemed awful interested in, in him being interested in her. Is that a factor? I don't know. And I don't want to ask because I don't want to come across as jealous. She told me that there's no room for jealousy in relationships. Uh, she would asked me earlier on, are you a jealous person? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't tend to get jealous. I tend to be trusting, maybe overly so. Um, but no, and I felt like I exercised that even when she was dangling all these men in front of me, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm really jealous that you're going to reach out to this guy friend that you had. I would tell her, I trust you. And I know I I trust you. And I know that, you know, we talk all the time. Like, I know you're not up to anything and you're not going to do anything. I would tell her that. Um, and I feel like she really was testing boundaries of what she get away with and what she could be allowed to do. And I felt like that was being put into practice, possibly with this guy she met at the bar. But I wasn't sure. I just had my suspicions. So I go up there. And from there on out, she told me, she sat me down in the Airbnb when we checked in and said, so I'm not going to be able to stay with you every single night. And I said, okay, why is that? She said, because I've had to create a series of stories about why I'm not going to be at the house. So I can't stay with you an entire two weeks. It's just too much time. Okay. That's something to spring on me now that I'm here, you know, in, in her hometown. And I'm telling you, our relationship was already on the rocks. I already felt uneasy and talk about setting it into overdrive. And now I'm up here in an Airbnb in her hometown. Feeling kind of trapped. Um, That trip was a nightmare. Um. She withheld sex from me frequently. She would text me telling me, uh, I'm coming back to the Airbnb. We're not going to have sex tonight. And I was like, I didn't even ask if we were. She just announced, like, over text. And I remember one night in particular, um, you know, again, she had a work conference thing that she had on the books. And she told me there's a couple couple days where, you know, the team and I will have day activities. And then we have, like, a team happy hour. And I won't be able to get out until 7 or 8. And seven or eight turned into ten or eleven. She'd get back very late. And I remember my friend Sue was texting me saying, Hey, is she is she at the house? Or are you all hanging out? And I said, No, she's still out with her coworkers. She's like, You're up there visiting her and she's choosing to spend more time with her coworkers than it seems like she needs to. I don't know. Apparently they got people from out of town she's meeting. So it's very weird. So I would not I would not deprioritize you like that. It's very strange, very odd. Um, but I remember one night in particular, um, she came home and she was like, you're probably going to want to have sex tonight, aren't you? And I was like, thought crossed my mind. She's like, well, that ain't happening. And she did it in kind of a playful way. And so I was trying to banter with her about that. And, um, she looked at me with this look I'd never seen her face. And she was like, what do you think you're going to do? Force yourself on me. And I was mortified. The very like thought and accusation of that sent tremors through my body. And I just went to the bed and laid down and got on the covers and she followed shortly after. And I remember telling her like, why would you think that I would ever do anything like that to you ever? And she's like, I don't know. I obviously don't want to do it. I'm not in the mood for it. And you think it's going to happen. So how else is it going to happen unless you force it to? I cannot tell you, and I just said, I think it's really unfair for you to say that, for you to think that I would ever go there. That's just, it's just awful. I feel, it made me feel disgusted. And um, I remember one of the nights that she couldn't be at the Airbnb, I went to a restaurant. And uh, she checked in on me and texted me, how's it going? I said, oh, it's going good. I made some friends at the bar that I'm eating at. And I said, interestingly enough, they work in the same industry that you do. And she immediately said, you cannot mention me by name. Uh, I was like, well, I wasn't planning on it, but why? She said, because everybody in this town knows me. It's a small town and they know who I am. And if word gets back to my roommate that, you know, I've got a guy here and and he finds out it could be hell on earth for us. (laughs) I'm like, again, like just what is this? Like, I can't talk to random strangers at a bar in your hometown because it might get back to your roommate slash ex-boyfriend. This is so weird. This is so bizarre. I don't understand this. Now, despite that, we had planned uh, a visit to a nearby major city and we went on that trip and getting away from her hometown and being in this major city, um, seemed to kind of like patch things over a bit. We had a great time in the city. Um we ended up coming back to the Airbnb and we celebrated uh Christmas together. We exchanged gifts and she had actually got me one gift in particular that was very thoughtful. That was in remembrance of my my friend, my best friend who had suddenly passed the year before and I was very floored by that. And I said, Well here's a deeply compassionate person who thought about my friend who passed away and how much they mean to me she got me this this gesture of a gift to remind me of him it. it's like she could do things like that in a moment that would make me see a silver lining to all of the awful black clouds that were around and so we left i went home and things were good for a couple days and then she went back to that state of just moody snippy withholding affection and um i ended up saying i'm feeling disconnected and it was the holidays were stressing me out a lot of excuses um i ended up ending the relationship the second time and she kind of pulled the same card about abandonment and you're making this decision i haven't even had time to get out of here and we're supposed to do all this stuff together and you're not giving me the chance to do that I'm just trying to get through the holidays and you're not supporting me. Made me feel very guilty for the breakup. And uh, so I I went back to her second time, said, okay, this time it was much shorter. Like she convinced me at basically the end of the the breakup conversation to change my mind. And we stuck it through. Uh, At this point, she's withholding. I'm not hearing from her. She's not texting me good morning and good night. And um, I allow it to go on because she's stressed, holidays, she doesn't want to do all this, like, stuff with the roommate around, very stressed out. But I'm trying to give her space, I'm trying not to cause any conflict, any fights, so I'm steering clear of asking anything about anything in her life. I'm not going to ask any questions. Eggshells are firmly in place. I'm not going to ask any questions about it. I'm not going to question anything because I'll just get accused of being controlling or Or clingy or needy? Because I started pointing out, I'm feeling disconnected. I'm not hearing from you as much as I used to. She said, oh, well, that's because I spoiled you with so much conversation early on. And now you just expect that from me. Well, guess what? I don't talk that much. I don't text that much. I don't like to be on the phone that much. I just like to do my own thing. Maybe I just spoiled you. So now you're being clingy and you're being needy. Those are words that I never want to hear directed my direction. I'm clingy and needy because I know that I'm not those things. Um, but I also started feeling like I was needy. I am needing things from this relationship that have been a part of the relationship for so long. And is that so wrong for me to need something that I've had for so long? But then to voice that and be told, well, it's because you were spoiled. Maybe I just spoiled you. And so how dare you ask for these things?
1: So what she's done here is... Within the context of the whole story, you know, give you attention. Your needs are being met in a lot of ways. You're being devalued in a lot of ways at the beginning. Uh, you're being gaslit. You're you're being isolated, but in some ways, your needs are being met in other ways. And as things go along, your needs. Start to not be met. And now we're here towards the end. And now you're being, um, the devaluation here is about your needs and attacking your neediness when you know you're not needy. And now your needs aren't being met and you're being attacked for your needs not being met. Which then throws you into, uh, if you weren't thinking you were crazy before, or gone crazy before, this might twist you to um, no return. If that makes sense. Is that what happens here? Really?
0: Yep. I felt like a crazy person. At this point, she had me convinced that I was... A crazy, needy, clean one. Actually, I won't say convinced. I'm going to take that back. She had me questioning that I was. I will say, again, I reiterate, I had kept communication with my friend Sue and I would screenshot conversations, text messages. I'm feeling crazy. Read this conversation between me and the ex and validate that. And what was helpful for me was that my friend was saying, no, she says, no, I don't think you're standing up for yourself like you need to. I don't think that you're putting your foot down where you need to. I don't think you're telling her that that is unacceptable for her to say. I think that you're being a pushover, what my friend would tell me in love. But she says, you're not being crazy. She is twisting your words. She is reframing what you're saying. She is making assumptions about what you're thinking and your motives. And all of this is based in like her version of reality that's not true. I'm telling you though, you get so ensnared in this pattern of devaluation, of abuse, of all of this questioning yourself that even when somebody is spelling out a conversation, what is happening at all points of that conversation, I still questioned it. I still thought maybe I was the reason. And I don't know, you know. There were a couple of times where she had gotten enraged. One of those times was actually when she was visiting me here in Nashville, where she was laying on the bed face down and started growling and screaming and punching the pillow. Um, She had told me that when she gets angry, she would throw objects at her exes. Um, She had told, or yeah, I'd seen the breakdown. And I remember one time in the major city we were visiting in her home, like outside of her hometown, she was enraged by the photos I took of her. On the previous trip, she had said, you make me look so good in photos. Um, You're such a good social media husband. And um, the third time we had a trip, that, that trip where she was being distant, she was screaming at me in the middle of a very busy park. That I was making her look bad. I was making her look old. I was making her look fat. She was screaming at me. And I remember she threw down a water bottle. And was like forget it. And I say that because. She positioned it and framed it. That I was responsible for her looking bad in photos. And that's where I was at. It's me. It's all me. I'm doing this. And I pleaded and begged. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to support you. Look how I've been supportive. Look how I've not been jealous. Look what I've I've let you not let her but like i haven't caused a stink or caused an issue when you reach out to guys from your past that you told me just want you i haven't said anything about your friendship with this guy that hit on you at a bar um even though she had told me that he asked her out to dinner and her response was well i've got plans i'm busy not i have somebody i'm involved i can't make myself available to you because you want to go out with me and i can't go out you have no relationship She didn't tell him that. She told him she was busy. So
1: how does it all end?
0: So it ends with, um, (laughs) what happened is we, I I ended the relationship the third time. Uh, I said, it seems that we have communication issues. I've tried everything I can and I can't ever get through to you and have a conversation about why something's happening. And I just don't think we can have a relationship if it's going to keep going like this. And she, this time, said, fine, do whatever you want. She resigned it. She was like, I'm not going to fight. If that's what you think, then that's just what we should do. And that response uh, surprised me to the point that I'm like, you know what, hold on. Maybe we shouldn't end it. Let's talk about this. Maybe it's not fair for me to just make this assertion. And she said, fine. And so we talked, but it just still wasn't the same. And I, the distance between us was immeasurable. Again, this is someone I texted from like this the beginning of the day to the end of the night, or like on the phone with, or on Zoom on on camera. Now we're going six, seven, eight hours radio silence. I've been busy. I'm busy. So I had uh, social media asked me if I wanted to be friends with this guy that she met at a bar. And I was like, "Oh, this is the guy." And when you're at that point, you're trying to figure out what's going on, you want answers, you're going to go looking for stuff. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to check out this guy's social media. Very public, very open. She was all over it. This guy that had hit on her and, and, and was trying to ask her out, she was very much engaging with him on social media. And I was just like, I just wouldn't do that. Like, that just seems disrespectful. And I really have my suspicions here. Um, He had started to make Mentions of going on special Dinners to her hometown They lived a bit of distance apart And he had mentioned that he was going on special dinners In her hometown And they were nights that she was busy And that we couldn't talk And I was like I don't have concrete evidence But I'm pretty sure that she's cheating Behaviors changed this circumstance, whatever. I think something's going on here. I asked her about it. I said, hey, I want to talk about this guy. And she immediately, without me even, that's pretty much all I said. I just want to talk about this guy. She said, what? Are you upset that I have a guy friend? And I said, well, he's your friend now. She's like, well, I mean, we talk, we're friends. Very defensive. Um, said, I don't know why you think that I would sleep with this guy. And I said, I never said anything about you sleeping with him. That, I never said that. I never even framed that. Um, so I've just noticed, and I told her the social media thing, and she's like, oh, so now I can't be friends with any guys on social media? Do I need to remove them all? I said, no, 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 no. I'm not saying any of that. So anyway, this whole conversation took place over text. Um, she ended it by saying, I think I need some time and space, and essentially put me on a silent treatment for a week. Now, again. I took screenshots this entire conversation and took entirely over text and sent it to my friend, Sue. And Sue was like, you know, y'all have had some bad conversations, but this one takes the cake. She's calling you names. She's gaslighting you. She's twisting your words around. She has created a situation that you never, it's just, it's just totally made up. And she's attacking you for things that she is creating. Like it's, it's just, she's like, this is an insane conversation. You've done nothing wrong except, again, you didn't stand up for yourself and tell her to stop. And now she's telling you she needs time and space? But like She's like, I think she's definitely cheating. I think that she's getting defensive about it, and I think she's shutting you down. In this week of silence, I went to uh, a counselor friend, explained some details, and she said, I think you might be dealing with a narcissist. Second time, this word has come up, and I said, you know what? I'm going to use this time that I'm being silent treatmented to find out about it. And I became in the matter of a week, as much as one can be an expert on the subject of narcissist personality disorder. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be frank and honest. I don't know that my ex is a narcissist. I have no way of making that evaluation determination. And you know that's something that has to be diagnosed by a medical professional. However, when I read every single facet and watched every YouTube video and listened to all the buzzwords behaviors, I felt like I was reading a textbook of my relationship to the point that it made my skin crawl. I was creeped out how my relationship was completely defined and determined and, and illustrated by total strangers from the, from the very beginning up until the point that I was at. And I felt very empowered by that. I suddenly had this like awakening and eye opening that I was dealing with this kind of person. And this was the answer to all of the unanswered questions I had. Now, did that make it easier? Not at all. I, um, I did something bold, and I said, you know what? I suspect that that my friend Sue could be correct, that this ex slash roommate situation is BS. There's one way to find out, and I messaged him directly. And I'm not saying that this is what everybody should do because it can be real rocky. Very, the situation can go sideways. In my case, um, he confirmed that she had moved out of their shared bedroom and that they had been essentially functioning as roommates and they had not had any intimate contact in a year and a half. Those things were true. He said, however, he was not informed the relationship was over and he felt very much that she was causing space because of mistakes that he had made. He was the reason the relationship had gone south and sideways. And he said, we've actually been in couples counseling trying to reinvigorate the relationship. And I said, oh, okay. Um, so he said, thank you for letting me know. This is her MO. This is her pattern. What she typically does is she will uh, start like phasing out of the relationship, meet another guy, and immediately move in with them. That's what she did with me. That's how our relationship started her last relationship was going poorly. She met me. We got emotionally involved. She moved in with me and that was it. And he said, it sounds like she was going to do the same thing with you. He asked me for evidence. He ended up um, confronting her and said, she denied everything that she was saying that her and I were not serious. And I said, you know, and I told him some of the facts about moving and, you know, job relocation and you know it was very serious and he asked me for a lot of evidence and I sent him a lot of evidence and I asked him is this hurtful and he said no I'm fine we've been done for a year and a half I'm just going to kick her out it's over with okay so he confronted her um, I never confronted her at this point talking to him finding out the truth I went on a blocking spree I blocked her everywhere um And didn't have like a confrontational conversation with her. The woman that I thought I was going to move and marry for or move for and marry, I just, it it ended with me just blocking her everywhere. Except for one thing, when you're blocking somebody on devices, you have to block them on each device individually. That's what I found out. There's one device I had not blocked her on and she had texted me saying, what did you do? (laughs) My last words to her were, that's a good question to ask yourself in the mirror someday when you can be honest with, with the people in your life and yourself. And I blocked her and haven't had any contact with her ever since. The days ahead were tough. Um, the month that that happened, I immediately found a counselor. My mom recommended me to a counselor, a Christian counselor. I was very hesitant about that because I didn't want to go into counseling with this frame point of it being like a religious thing for myriad of reasons. Um, but Christian counselor, like, we actually don't focus on the religious aspect of ourselves at all. She's a very practical counselor, um, has been a lifesaver, validated all of my experiences, validated what I went through, has a lot of insight on these type of personalities, this type of abuse. Been extremely helpful. But I spent a month having nightmares every night. My ex was abusing me in my nightmares. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I was it was a, I was in a bad state for a month um questioning myself questioning everything um the the irony of it is the morning that my ex was confronted she immediately ran to my friend Sue because again she was acquaintances with her and said Kevin is crazy Kevin is controlling he's he's nuts he's causing all these issues and he he's She immediately, that morning, ran and started a smear campaign with my friend. Again, I had been withholding that I was talking to my friend as much as I was, so I don't think my ex knew that my friend hated her and was like very much in my team and my side and had seen our conversation. She had seen the text messages. So she knew that that my ex was lying, and it was all made up. And that was also a huge huge help because my understanding is that when you're in a smear campaign you will lose friends you'll lose mutual friends acquaintances because it's a he said she said um and if there's anything that i can encourage listeners to do it's don't cut off your lifelines don't cut off the people in your life who see the truth and see the situation for what it is and can speak, even if you don't listen to them. Because my, I'm telling you, my friend told me to break up with this with this girl from early on and throughout. she should go back and forth on it, but she was pretty much telling me to break up with her a lot. And I never listened to her and I wish I would have. I, I'm very, very blessed that I have a friend group that was waiting for me with welcome open arms. Um, my family, my boss, all commented that I seem like a different person. They said, when you're in this relationship, it was a black cloud at all times. You were very difficult to be around. You're a very different person in this relationship. And um, after it ended, they said, it's like, you're just like yourself again. And I felt like myself. I felt like I had my confidence back. I felt like I had my self-worth back, excited. Started dipping my toe into the dating world again. Uh, dating in 2022 is, it's a journey. It's a ride, um, but I'm doing okay. Like I'm doing, I'm doing good.
1: And if you had any words of wisdom or advice for everyone listening, what would it be?
0: Um, overall, it depends on what stage that you're in. Um, if you are in the same spot as me where you feel like you've come out of it, and you feel like you're in a better place and you have yourself back share your story when and where appropriate with people to support them um it means a lot when other people can see that you've gone through the journey they have and have come out on the other side better for it um i don't know if if this is one of those things where i'm like well i'm glad i went through this so i learned a lot about myself i wouldn't say that like i'm i wish i could go back in time and tell myself don't Make that initial outreach to this person. Don't talk to them. I would take it back if I could. But having been through it, there is a way out. For those that are listening that might be in the middle of it, you might find yourself isolated. You might find yourself cut off from your lifelines. Fight that. Even if you have to lie. And I'm not an advocate of lying, but I did not disclose I had my friend with me along every step of the way. Keep the people that care about you in the loop. Find a trusted source, even just one person. Make sure that you're in contact with somebody who knows the ins and outs of your relationship so that at some point when you can reach the surface for air, somebody is there with the life preserver waiting for you. I cannot tell you how much differently I think this would have gone if I didn't have a friend who could validate that I was abused that validated that I wasn't being a crazy person that validated it wasn't me that was causing or contributing to these fights. Um, And again, it was never he says she says because a lot of these conversations took place over text and messages messaging apps and it was there in black and white. There was no denying what was said, all that Um, counseling is huge. Um, I can't tell you how helpful it's been to find a counselor that, understands what I'm going through, validates it, has helped me realize how I got into the situation in the first place. Um, And at the end of the day, we're all human, regardless of gender or how we identify. And these things can happen to anybody, Uh, but there is a way out, there is a way through. I firmly believe that. I'm evidence of that. And I'm in a healthy spot, even just four or five months out of the situation. And, And so, yeah, that's essentially it.
1: So uh, to everyone who's supportive of their friends in these situations who, even though they know they're going through an abusive situation, but still keep them and give them a lifeline to talk to them like your friends did for you, it's just so valuable and not to... Chastise them for being in these relationships, not for looking down on them for staying, but just saying I'm here for you for whatever you need, uh, and to be just be supportive throughout the whole thing. So thank you for sharing your story about them and helping you to help others help other people, if that makes sense. And just again, uh, thank you for for being here with us today. We don't really have that many um, men. Uh, on our show and and you did a great job today sharing your story and explaining everything really well for everyone. So thank you.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me share and, and for your time this morning as well. And and for what you're doing here, it's it's helpful. So I appreciate the work that you're doing and the ongoing work you're doing here with this podcast. I know it's touching lives and, and encouraging people. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you. And if you want to be a guest on our show like Kevin was today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Click on our guest form button at the top of the page. There's a lot of instructions. Fill out those instructions, everyone. Fill out those instructions. What am I even saying? Read those instructions, everyone. Then fill out our guest form. Press the submit button or send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Also at our website, we have our very own safe social network. So if you press... The support group button at the top of the page at NarcissistApocalypse.com, you will find our network on there. We have our very own Zoom meetings every Wednesday night and Saturday night and every other Thursday afternoon. We have a forum board where people can ask questions and answer and support each other. We have episodes that never made it to air. We have ad-free episodes. And if you just want to support our show, please join our support group. It helps us out a lot. And as well, if you need more support, please do go to org. They are friends of ours. And if you need articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you're experiencing, go to DomesticShelters.org. If you need local resources such as shelters, information about shelters, information about ways to heal and move forward, go to DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource today. And that is it. So from myself and Kevin, we hope you have a good night.